Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current global affairs, and there's a lot going on. Also, Larry Reed, he is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll visit with him about FDR's other day of infamy. And Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington bureau chief and author of several books, will be joining us as well. It is April the 10th, and on the day in 1778, Commander John Paul Jones and his crew of 140 men aboard the USS Ranger set sail from the naval port at Brest, France, and headed towards the Irish Sea to begin raids on British warships. This was the first mission of its kind during the Revolutionary War. Commander Jones, remembered as one of the most daring and successful Navy commanders of American Revolution, was born in Scotland in uh, 1747. He became an apprentice to a merchant at age 13 and soon went to sea, traveling first to the West Indies and then to North America as a young man. In Virginia, the onset of the American Revolution, Jones sided with the Patriots and received a commission as the first lieutenant in the Continental Navy on December the 7th, 1775. <clears throat> After departing from Brest, Jones successfully executed raids on two forts in England's Whitehaven Harbor. Despite a disgruntled crew who was more interested in gain than honor, Jones then continued his uh, home territory of, uh, to his home territory in Scotland, where he intended to abduct the Earl of Selkirk and then exchange him for American sailors held captive by Britain. Although he did not find the Earl at home, Jones' crew was able to steal all his silver, <laughs> including his wife's teapot, still containing her breakfast tea. From Scotland, Jones sailed across the Irish Sea, uh, where the ranger captured the M- HMS Drake from delivering fatal wounds to the British ship's captain and lieutenant. In September 1779, John Jones fought one of the fiercest battles in the naval history when he uh, led the USS Boheme, Richard Frigate, uh, named for Benjamin Franklin, into an engagement with a 50-gun British warship, HMS Serapis. After the uh, Bonhomme Richard was struck, it began taking on water and caught fire. When the British captain of the Serapis ordered Jones to surrender, he famously replied, replied, I have not yet begun to fight those famous words. A few hours later, the captain and crew of the Serapis admitted defeat, and Jones took command of the British ship. One of the greatest naval commanders in history, Jones is remembered as the father of the American Navy, along with fellow Revolutionary War uh, hero Commodore John Barry. The story of John Paul Jones. So interesting. Well, it's been a busy weekend. Uh, In terms of sports, John Rahm was nearly in tears after winning an emotional triumph at the Masters on Sunday and would have been the 66th birthday of his idol, Seve Ballesteros. Ram overcame a four-stroke deficit at the start of the marathon 40-hole final day at Augusta National because of the rain delays to defeat American Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson by four shots for his second major title, a victory that returns him to the world's number one position. Ram won uh, the green jacket and took a record prize of, get this, uh, for a weekend, $3.24 million from a record $18 million purse. Three-time Masters champion Mickelson birdied five of the last seven holes to shoot 65, the lowest Masters round ever for a player over the age of 50. By the way, of course, uh, Tiger Woods had to drop out because of severe pain in his uh, foot and ankle. Too bad. But it was quite a, quite a by the way, a tree fell over <clears throat> during the tournament. Big tree. And uh, fortunately, nobody was hurt, but it was uh, pretty much you know, pretty amazing. Well, former President Donald Trump on Saturday night attended what would have been a UFC fighter, uh, Jorge uh, Mastival's final match. The 38-year-old Mastival uh, led a crowd in Let's Go Brandon chant after losing his final professional fight in Miami Saturday night. <clears throat> 
Donald Trump Jr. posted a picture on Twitter of his father sitting ringside at the UF 287 event with Kid Rock, boxing legend Mike Tyson, and UFC president Dana White. I wanted to say greatest president in the history of the world sitting right here, the mixed martial arts fighter Masterville said after the fight, pointing to Trump as the crowd cheered. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. Senator uh, Joe Manchin has been courting top-level political donors in recent weeks while courting uh, uh, remaining coy about <clears throat> running for another term representing West Virginia, stoking speculation he might wage a third-party challenge in the 2024 presidential race that could siphon Democrats' votes from Joe Biden. This is going to be a major threat, if it happens, <clears throat> to the Democrat Party. <clears throat> There's still a number of conservatives who spent time with Senator Manchin. They're actually hoping he would switch to the Republican Party, one Manchin advisor said. Now the senator has said he's uh, said this, but it's as suggested by others that he might have switched if McConnell wasn't the GOP leader. An independent run might be the next best thing. Wow. That is big news. <clears throat> Manchin fueled the speculation by appearing on NBC's Meet the Press last Saturday, pointing, uh, pointedly refusing to rule out a presidential run, quoting Abraham Lincoln, invoking the need for unity. <clears throat> well, he'd never win, <clears throat> but he certainly would be a disruptor in that role, wouldn't he? And by the way, Vice President Kamala Harris was animated during a last-minute trip to Nashville on Friday, condemning Republicans for their cowardice, in refusing to allow debate over gun control. Harris traveled to Tennessee Capitol after two black Democrat state representatives were expelled on Thursday for staging a protest inside the House demanding more gun control. The left sought uh, to portray the two expelled representatives, Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, as folk heroes. She did not address the tragic murder of children and adults at the Covenant Christian Church. So uh, these, uh, these uh, two persons, Justin and Justin, were expelled uh, from the House Assembly because uh, they were out of order and they weren't uh, following the rules and regulations of uh, the, uh, the body, of uh, the legislature. Uh, that was why they were thrown out. And so uh, how can we have advocating breaking the rules of, of the chamber uh, and uh, supporting these two people. That's what uh, she has done. Although, uh, of note, I didn't see any, any kind of word salad from Kamala at disappearance, so maybe she's improving her delivery skills. I don't know. Well, Associate uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas denied wrongdoing in a response to an article allegedly he accepted improper gifts from a longtime friend and conservative donor, Harlan and Kathy Crow are among our dearest friends, and we have been friends for over 25 years, said Thomas. As friends do, we have joined them on a number of family trips during more than a quarter century, and we've known them. Early in my tenure as the court, I sought to guide us from my colleagues and others in the judiciary and was advised that this sort of personal hospitality from close personal friends who did not have business before the court was not reportable, Thomas said in a statement. ProPublica reported that Thomas and his wife traveled on the Crow's yacht and on their private jet on numerous occasions over Thomas's tenure on the court. The article quoted several ethics experts who allege that Thomas violated disclosure rules that required judges and justices to disclose large gifts. <clears throat> Congressional Democrats responded to the article by urging Thomas to resign. What else? and reiterating calls to pack the Supreme Court. I've endeavored to follow that counsel throughout my tenure and have always sought to comply with the disclosure guidelines. These guidelines are now being changed as the Committee for Judicial Conference responsible for financial disclosure over the entire federal judiciary just this past, past month announced new guidance. And it is, of course, my intent to follow the, this guidance in the future, he continued. So, of course, uh, they're trying to use this as fodder, and I'm talking about the Democrats to attack Thomas, to get him to resign, to uh, 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 to uh, uh, be violating of ethics and so forth. I, I just don't think that's going to happen because the rules are pretty loose, loose in terms of uh, at least the Supreme Court right now. Well, you probably heard the story about swimmer Riley Gaines. She said she was ambushed and physically hit and forced to barricade for three hours from a mob of trans rights protesters who stormed her speech about protecting women's sports. The 12-time All-American champ, a former competitor in the controversial trans swimmer Leah Thomas, 
ordeal, shared alarming footage of cops hustling her to safety a late Thursday at the San Francisco State University. Why are you running, one of the protesters yelled gleefully before a short-haired activist jumped in front of her to scream abuse. Yeah, you effing transphobic bitch. I effing see you. The deranged-sounding activist screamed at Gaines, trying to uh, escape down the highway, uh, hallway. Former, uh, of course, the Gaines was barricaded in a room in, uh, for three hours, and she, after she was physically assaulted in a speech. <clears throat> by the way, the event was sponsored by Turning Point USA and Charlie Kirk. Lewis Berger, Riley's Lewis Berger, uh, Riley's husband said he'd uh, brief conversation with her whether while she was barricaded in a room for nearly three hours. She told me she was hit multiple times by a guy in a dress. I was shaking. It made me mad. It makes me sick to feel so helpless about it, Barker said. She was under police protection and was still hit by a man wearing a dress. Gaines, by the way, on Tucker Carlson on Friday night, said she uh, the... Uh, the city of San Francisco police that stepped in, they did a phenomenal job in escorting her uh, for three, uh, me three hours later. But I will be pursuing legal action. I will ensure that the people who physically assaulted me, the people who put me in that position, they will face repercussions, said Gaines. Riley is a true hero, and she's exactly right. The leftist mobs will continue their violence until there's pushback from decent people. And by pushback, I would suggest that, that uh, some sort of punishment, repercussions, definitely behaving in this way is just unacceptable in America. And by the way, Florida Education Commissioner Manny Diaz is speaking out regarding the Biden administration's proposed Title IX rule, which would bar schools from enforcing policies that ban biological males from playing in women's sports. The proposed rule would establish that policies violate Title IX when they categorically ban transgender students from participating on sports teams consistent with their gender identity just because of who they are, that according to a press release. This is a sad, pathetic attempt from a completely inept administration to force their woke worldview on the rest of us, Diaz said. Since Joe Biden can't get Congress or Supreme Court to rubber stamp his radical gender ideology, he's resorted to bullying America's students through the federal bureaucracy. Good luck, he said. That won't fly in Florida. We will never, ever allow a boy to play in girls' sports. We will fight this overreach tooth and nail, and we will stop at nothing to uphold the protections to affording women's rights under Title IX, he said. The rule would apply to public K-12 schools, as well as colleges, universities, and other institutions that receive federal funding. The proposed rule also recognized that in some instances, particularly in competitive high school and college athletic environments, uh, some schools may adopt policies that limit transgender students' participation. So that's Joe Biden's out on this thing. But nevertheless, this is just plain stupid. And it's another uh, Saul Alinsky-type attack uh, on <clears throat> uh, the, uh, the the state, the culture. And that's exactly what this is, trying to mix things up, confuse people, and just make uh, the entire situation difficult, putting everybody on edge. This is a stupid rule, and I'm really happy that uh, Manny Diaz uh, stepped up and addressed it. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at uh, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples, longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, 
fabulous food and a rockin' good time, Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you should know that most health insurance plans here in the United States don't cover international travel. You want to travel with confidence, and you can do that for pretty short money by visiting internationalhealthplans.com, internationalhealthplans.com. We have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com, a multimedia website great for kids of all ages, including you and I. I hope you check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, let's start off. Uh, Mark is in, in Tel Aviv right now as we speak. And uh, there's a lot going on around the world. Let's start off with that, what's happening in Israel. Yeah, in Israel, it's been a very cr- crazy, tense, uh, different ways you can look at it, uh, weeks since we last spoke. Uh, we had a series of uh, rocket attacks, some from Gaza and then some from Lebanon on the north and south. No one got hurt. They were all intercepted by the um, anti-missile system that Israel has, Iron Dome. There were two very serious um, terror attacks, one uh, horrific one where a car was uh, forced off the road and then the gunman uh, followed the car off the road and at at point-blank range shot three women in the car, two young women, 15 and 20. They were killed on the spot. Then the mother who's just hanging on. I mean, there's a level of horrific. In other words, it wasn't rant and literally went and shot three women in a car. Unbelievable. Um, so there was that, and then there was a um, a ramming incident in Tel Aviv on Friday night. Um, hit home because it's part of the, it's exactly where I usually ride when I go to the, I uh, participate in the news broadcast and the studio not far from there, and so I ride that way every, every time I go there. So hmm. I rammed, went down a went down a bike path basically in a car and uh, killed an Italian tourist and wounded another six or seven. Um, that's all taking place in, in the fear that some <clears throat> some of this will be. Um, oh, excuse me, I take I left out. Rockets were fired from Syria at the yeah. Golan Heights two nights ago. Yeah. So in all those cases, the Israeli Air Force responded, but nothing, nothing really all that serious. There is growing fear that also the United States seems to share that Iran is planning to have some sort of major attack against Israel or Israeli interests. The United States 
publicly, which is an unusual move, moved a nuclear submarine into the area of the Persian Gulf. Uh, usually those movements are secret. In other words, it's the fact that there's this nuclear submarine in the area is nothing nothing special, but the fact that they publicly announced it, that's, that says something. Although, um, So things are tense. There's only one way of putting it. Is things are very tense. It's not quite clear where all this is going at this point. And on top of all of this, you continue to have the protests against the government because an agreement hasn't been reached to pull the judicial plans. And despite... The tenseness of the time, 150,000 people in Tel Aviv alone came out on Saturday night to protest to make sure that uh, the judicial uh, overhaul, so to speak, does not go forward. Uh, so on all levels, um, and public opinion polls came out last night that shows a complete disintegration of support for the current government. Well, and uh, uh, <clears throat> it looks to me like there's an orchestrated attack against Israel right now on many fronts, including Iran. <laughs> Excuse me, please. <clears throat> Uh, Syria, just a number of fronts where uh, it looks to me that this is not a coincidence. No, I mean, the question is, I mean, I think the, the coordination is mostly Iranian. In other words, they're the ones who are pulling, pulling the strings in most of these cases. I see. Um, so, uh, you know, they don't want to get direct, they may not want to get directly involved, although they may at this point, it's unclear. They may see the current um, internal crisis of a judicial reform as a period of, you know, the internal weakness, and therefore maybe it's a time to attack Israel in some form or another. That would be a mistake to try to understand the separation, and the fact that there's political um, unrest, and it's aimed particularly at the Netanyahu government, who Netanyahu has reached all-time lows in popularity. If yeah. this was Britain, he would resign at this point, but this is not Britain. Israel doesn't have a history of resignations of that kind, but... Um, but um, so that would be a mistake. But um, we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, do you, uh, is is uh, is anything any of this related to Iran's? I would imagine if they're on the cusp, if they haven't already created a nuclear device that they can use against others. Right. It's it's clearly part of the uh, part of their overall uh, plan. It's part of their overall attempt to create difficulties, to say the least. But on the other hand, I mean, to turn it the other way for two seconds. It looks like um, the Houthis and the Saudis are coming to an agreement to end the civil war in, in, in Yemen, and that can only be because the Iranians agreed to it at this point. Uh -huh. uh, so it's hard to you know, to, to know exactly what they want. Uh, remember, there's still internal protests going on in Iran. It's just at a much lower level at this point. Um, so it, it's hard to know. I don't think they want a direct confrontation with Israel. Um, but that would be a mistake. And, you know, and then on the other hand, Israel's under increasing pressure at this point uh, from the United States to supply arms to the to Ukrainians. Um, and Israel's stuck in a double vise right now relating to that, because on one hand, Israel is one of the few places in the world that, in the Western world, that's producing arms um, in large numbers that could potentially help the Ukrainians. On the other hand, with everybody else being tapped out, Israel has to worry, what if it gets into a war right now? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, I don't think the United... You know, in 1973, when Israel needed resupply, the United States was able to resupply it. I don't think the United States at the moment has the ability, of just from, a, you know, in terms of actual armaments, that, that it's available to help resupply Israel at the moment. So that means Israel has to rely on its own arms production. So it's really complicated at this point. And one of the things we'll, we're seeing worldwide, and we've discussed this before, but it's become clearer is the, uh, the fact the hollowing out of the defense industrial base all over the world yeah. is making it very difficult uh, worldwide to, to deal with Ukraine and deal with all the other challenges, I mean, the potential challenges of China and all these things simultaneously. And I can't help but uh, observe that uh, this is somehow, I think, demonstrating the loss of, of influence of the United States in the Middle East. <clears throat> Yes, but, you know, okay, so, so the loss of influence of the United States in, in, the, in, in the Middle East uh, took on, you know, real momentum after the Iraq War. The Iraq War was the greatest, was probably the one of the biggest self-imposed strategic disasters the United States ever engaged in. Yeah. Uh, it fought a war for no clear reason, in a sense, that um, the reason it was given was the wrong reason. It wasn't true in the end. And in the end, it created more chaos than it, then it started, and it strengthened Iran by doing so, because Iraq was a counterbalance to to Iran. 
So strategically, it was a disaster. Uh, personnel, we lost, you know, men that died for no reason now, ultimately. Um, so, and we left a tattered Iran. So, Iraq, excuse me. And so, yet, so that's yet, where the... And yet, I'm, I'm looking at the Iran now uh, developing, or Saudi Arabia's developing... Uh, peace and uh, in other words there's there's looks like the doors are beginning to close for the united states and open for consolidation of power and uh in, you know mutual interest uh, uh saudis uh the iran that's just they were at war at one point <clears throat> right well, very close to war very much so and, you know <clears throat> it's, it's a real concern it really is uh, but again you know we just we discussed we've been discussing this over the years right yeah. no american politician none has been willing to come to go to the American people and have a true discussion of what burden the American people are willing to 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 carry in order to maintain uh, peace in the world and have influence that America's had. Right. No one's willing to have that discussion. Um, it doesn't make a difference to the Democrats or Republicans. No one's willing to have a, a normal discussion. You know, pros and cons. What's the cost? Cost? What's it going to cost the average American? All those sort of questions. No one is willing to have that discussion. Well, Without that, ever, uh, the only thing that happens right now appears that people take positions. They don't discuss things. So. <laughs> no, that's absolutely. But they take positions that sometimes are, are illogical, let's exactly. say, and not no. based on a national interest or personal interest. That's right. No <laughs> or they take a position because it's the opposite of the other guy's position, whatever that might be. Mark, we've got so uh, much more to talk about. Can you stick around? Absolutely. Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more. And by the way, tickets are selling right now for last week of Barefoot in the Park, Neil Simon's great and funny play. Uh, so go to golfshoreplayhouse.org to get tickets and find out more. Golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, this uh, story just emerged. First, I've read about it, although apparently it goes back a couple of months. So the leaked Pentagon papers, and apparently uh, on social media, are creating all kinds of problems around the globe. What are your thoughts? Okay, so there's all sorts of aspects to it. A lot of it has to do with Ukraine. A lot of it is negative about Ukraine's abilities. Um, it's in all sorts of different ways. There's one of it that relates to Israel, where it claims that the Israeli 
Mossad uh, encouraged the social protests against the, the government, uh, which is an absolute falsehood. And there are two possibilities. There is the intelligence people didn't understand the difference between allowing members to demonstrate and encouraging, or it's a fake. And one of the Israeli leading defense analysts just believes a good part of all of this is a, is a Russian fake. And the way you do a good fake is you include true things with fake things. Uh-huh. And so it mixes up everything, everything up. Um, so that's, you know, one of the questions. It creates lots of controversy, which, who does that help? The Russians, right? Well, you know, the, uh, the other side turns, of that market. Allies turn on America, vice versa. All good for the Russians. I'll say this, though. So, both the Russians and the uh, Ukrainians are uh, dismissing these papers as, uh, well, they're not dismissing them. They're actually saying, uh, very upset about them. So, uh, right. It's unclear. It's very unclear. Yeah. I mean, it says they're contradictory <laughs> things. Um, again, we don't know who leaked them and for what reason. Who would have any, you know, always when there's a leak, you have to question, okay, who's, who wants to leak it? So if you go back to the Pentagon Papers, right, the most famous leak in American history, uh-huh. there was very clear. There you had people who were against the Vietnam War who wanted to leak what was the internal assessments of the Pentagon that the war was not winnable, basically. That was that was what the you know that was more complicated than that. But if you had to look at the, the what the Pentagon Papers were, that that's what it was. Uh-huh. And Daniel Ellsberg was the one who leaked it, and he was in a, you know he was a, opposed to the war, and that was the purpose of doing it. What's the purpose here of doing it? Who you know who's gaining from this? That's always the question. Yeah, well, and it's always a question you have to ask when things come out. You know, verse a the veracity of what you're looking at. B, is it, you know, let's just say there were 10 papers that said one thing and one paper that said something else. This, you know, in the intelligence world, that's very usual. In other words, you have different people making different assessments. Uh-huh. And so, you know, maybe only one assessment on each topic came up because whoever was leaking it wanted to do that. We don't know. Um, Which so kind of raises the way, question about whatever happened, to Ju- whatever happened to Julian Assange and to... Uh, Who's the other guy that uh, leaked? Uh, He's still sitting in Julian. Well, one of them is sitting in Moscow. Yeah, and the other one has not been, um, has not yet, the best of my knowledge, been extradited from Britain. Uh-huh. Um, I forget which one is which, actually. Um, but one of them is living a living a life in Moscow. I don't know if living a life in Moscow is a place where you want to live your life, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. So better I, today. I, but, Better today than in the Soviet period, let's put it that way. Absolutely. Moscow's a more modern city. So, but uh, this was apparently leaked on social media. Can't they trace it back to the person whose account? You know, what's the problem here? Well, you can have a fake account, obviously. That's the problem with social media. One of the biggest problems with social media is the fact that you don't have to have a verified account. Ah. So I can claim to be whoever I want, and, you know, so who knows who I am? Uh And someone who's trying to to mask themselves can probably do it by, by doing it via, via VPNs and all sorts of ways where no one will ever know who he, who he or she is. Interesting. Uh, so that's how this is done. So we, we brought up Ukraine. Any new developments in the uh, war? Not really. Again, the, the, the Bakhmut is still, uh, the Russians are still haven't captured it, are still trying to capture it. The Ukrainians are still, I mean, pretty much where we stood last week with the Ukrainians uh, trying to get as much of the the Western uh, equipment integrated into the into their army to prepare themselves for the uh, counteroffensive that everyone's expecting mm-hmm. sometime within the next month. And no one knows exactly where, which is a good idea because obviously the Russians should know where they're going to be counter, you know, where they're going to be attacking. So we'll have to see the you know the success of that counteroffensive is going to tell us a lot about um, how much longer this war will or will not go on. So. Yeah, we'll have to see. Finally, uh, but again, uh, goes back to what I said a minute ago that no one's producing enough munitions for this war. Yeah, I mean, uh, we our our uh, cabinet uh, cut uh, our uh, uh, cabinet is bare, and uh, I would imagine that's true around the globe right now. We just don't have yep, the, to, the munitions to defend ourselves right now. Right, we're producing, we're producing as fast as one can, but again, you know, it, it, it's the history of it's the history of ever. For quite honestly, if you look at American history throughout, after a war, America disarms. Right, we want to save money. World War One, World War Two, 
Then World War II, we got we, immediately afterwards we had Korea, so we had to start rearming. The Cold War was immediate. You know, the, the U.S. stayed fairly armed during all the Cold War. Then the Cold War ended, and we tried to save a lot of money, which makes sense, right? I mean, how big an army do you need if you don't have a big enemy called the Russians right. or the USSR? Uh, but then when times come, you just don't have the industrial capability. And then something else happened we've discussed before was the fact that the Pentagon actually encouraged defense manufacturers to merge. Yeah. So they had less people to deal with and that they each one of the ones that were merged, they weren't afraid that any, anyone would go out of business because they'd be strong enough. But once you start doing that, they all cut, cut back on duplicate uh, factories and duplications so they, their total ability to produce gets cut back. Yeah, interesting. And, as well as their ability to, to innovate, which is a big problem also. So, so any comments on uh, Macron, uh, the prime minister? Yeah, so Macron, Macron is in, I uh, just went to China. Um, let's put it this way. I don't think the United States was happy about it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, <laughs> talking about more about trade and integration and everything else. But the French have always marched to their own song. You know, I remember demonstrating against Charles de Gaulle way back when in the, uh, I guess, early 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't forget, in the, in the 60s, I think it was, he pulled France out of the Joint Military Command of NATO because he was going to build his own force. So the French have always had this, um, I don't know how to define it, you know, the sense of the French being more equal than, than everybody else in Europe, and therefore they're going to lead the way. And so um, this is another case of that. The French, I think, getting ahead of their skis a little bit, but huh. they're a sovereign country. They're entitled to do what they want. It's not, it's, <laughs> it's not a, uh, a canary in the coal mine, is it, in terms of how people are going to respond in building relationships with China? I don't think so. I mean, again, everyone has their own interests, obviously. Um, I don't think so. I mean, different countries. Look, we have to remember something. The China situation is rather unique in the sense that so much of the world trades so heavily with China, including us. I mean, including the United States is, you know, dependent for so many things on on China. So it's a rivalry. Hopefully we'll not get to a military rivalry. It's an economic rivalry. But on the other hand, there's codependencies all around. Yeah. And so it makes it very, very complicated. Mark, before and, I let you go, uh, I, 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 any comments on the war exercises right now that are being contest, uh, conducted, apparently uh, simulating attacks on Taiwan? Um, well, again, it's an issue of preparedness. I think uh, General Mer- Mer- I think it was General Merli said, said the other day that he does not expect the Chinese to attack anytime soon. They don't have the capabilities to do so. Wow. I mean, the, you know, the Chinese saw how difficult it was for the uh, Russians to conquer Ukraine. Now, maybe the Chinese have a better army than the Russians do, but uh, the Ukrainians didn't have a 40-mile or 50-mile uh, hole between the two countries with, you know, an ocean in between. Right. And, you know, the United States slowly learned amphibious assaults in the course of World War II. You know, we started in Guadalcanal, small, and we worked our way up to to Iwo Jima and Okinawa, to big land, and of course Normandy, obviously. Right. Uh, but it's not something you can learn in a day. Yeah. And I think we've also had this discussion. There are m- many things the Chinese can do quickly in terms of building, but there are many things that require years of training. That is so... Well, that, that uh, actually ends on a very positive note for me, Mark. <laughs> I, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific... Uh, multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. I hope you'll check it out. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob, and all your listeners. You as well. Thank you, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. Uh, your listeners can learn more about us by visiting the website, which is fee, org, And there you'll see daily fresh commentary on economics and history and current events and other things. Uh, we also uh, educate young people in ideas of free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character. And we do that at events that we host in schools and colleges all over the country. FEE.org, terrific organization. If you have a young person in your life, uh, high school or college age, make sure to introduce them to the Foundation for Economic Education. So, Larry, you read a a great piece. It's called uh, FDR's Other Day of Infamy. This is kind of scary. When the U.S. government seized all citizens' gold. Unbelievable. Maybe you could tell us about it. Okay. This past Wednesday, April 5, was the 90th anniversary of an order from FDR. It was in the form of an executive order, not a law of Congress. But he ordered that the American people turn in uh, before the 1st of May, so less than a month, all of their monetary gold in the form of coin or bullion or certificates, turn it into the government, and uh, receive a payment for it, much less than the government uh, later declared it to be worth. And uh, that was because FDR said Americans were hoarding gold. And, of course, all the government did once it took it was to hoard it itself. Yeah. <laughs> and to, uh, to fuel FDR's grand plan for government expansion. That's right. In the 1932 election, which he had just won against the incumbent Herbert Hoover, he had promised to cut federal spending by 25 percent. But in fact, before his first term was over, he more than doubled federal spending. And uh, the gold standard stood in the way of all the money he wanted to spend and all the money that he wanted to print. So uh, he took gold from Americans, and that was a huge step away from the gold standard that had made the dollar as good as gold for several generations. See, now, this, it's very disturbing because, of course, this is private property, just like stocks are and uh, other uh, instruments, financial instruments. Seizing gold, I mean, that is, that, that's, that is unconstitutional. Yeah, and um, it was um, uh, after, a few weeks after, he had ordered American banks to stop their gold payments. Um, he, had, he had just said at uh, the time of his inauguration that 
America had the gold, the largest gold reserves in the world. The gold standard was sound. And then three days later, uh, told banks to stop gold payments. Well, that's what then caused the run on the banks, because the American people thought, oh, my gosh, if all of a sudden he's going to tell banks they can't pay gold, I better get out of this paper money wherever it can, get gold wherever it can to uh, uh, protect against the coming uh, financial issues uh, like inflation. So, okay, so the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and so we can assume that FDR had good intentions. Uh, but uh, was it challenged at all? I mean, did uh, anybody protest? Oh, yes, there were there were some protests. For the most part, Americans uh, uh, at least made a show of turning in their gold from what uh, we now uh, know from the best evidence. For about every dollar that they turned in, they kept three. Ah. So... <laughs> they weren't uh, completely compliant, not by a long shot. But mm. nonetheless, uh, he did have the power to pursue a prosecution of anybody caught with uh, gold after his order. Uh, the fines were up to $10,000, uh, or you could get a 10-year uh, prison sentence, or both, for possessing gold. Yeah. You know, Larry, it, uh, I must say this concerns me. I mean, you can see the same. Right now, banks are beginning to accumulate gold again, and uh, you can literally see uh, regulatory risk in, in terms of uh, uh, all of a sudden uh, the the uh, federal government saying, well, you, you know, or the president of the United States uh, is issuing an executive order, uh, you have to turn in your gold. Yeah, it could happen again. My guess is that Americans would even be less compliant today uh, than they were back then. I mean, uh, gold isn't registered somewhere, so the government would have a hard time proving that you had any. Right. Uh, but I would guess that uh, uh, a lot less gold would flow into the Treasury today if, if uh, they tried to seize it from uh, private people once again. This is just a very disturbing story. And again, uh, our politicians promise, again, just underscore, 25% reduction in uh, government spending. That was his promise. And then uh, look what happened during the Great Depression, what, what happened uh, during uh, the, the New Deal, as he called it. It was a bad deal, wasn't it? Oh, it sure was. In fact, his uh, New Deal measures uh, actually prolonged the Great Depression, and uh, it lasted at least another seven years, uh, all during his first two terms and uh, into, the second, into the third term. Uh, some people say, well, then the war happened, and that saved us. Not really. It drove unemployment figures way down because we drafted 11 million men and sent them overseas. But we really didn't have recovery in terms of our standards of living yeah. from the Great Depression until after the war. Larry Reed, again, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I encourage you to visit fee.org, fee.org. Larry, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, uh, Saturday night, Linda and I went to Lulabee's Diner for dinner. It was absolutely terrific. I had the grouper, and Linda had a wonderful salad. It was just a, a great evening, and, and I just want to remind you that Wednesday through Saturday evenings, 4 to 8 p.m., uh, Lulabee's Diner, known for great lunches and breakfasts, is now beginning to serve dinner, and uh, it is just delightful. It's located in the... Uh, Green Tree Shopping Center, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy, and they prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of some great murder mysteries, uh, Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel in his latest novel is No Problem. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, it's great to be here, Bob. It's a uh, 31 degrees in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania right now, uh, the place uh, to which I retired. It's going to be 61 this afternoon, so uh, it's wonderful. We get to go through all the seasons by uh, noon. Fantastic. Uh, I'm reading the, the I, I read the New York Times so you don't have to, and I don't know how they can write this stuff with a straight face. So, first of all, in in all the papers, the lead story one of the lead stories is the uh, the breach at the Pentagon of the secrets that show that the you know Ukraine is on the verge of uh, losing its war with Russia because it it doesn't have enough uh, anti aircraft missiles. Um, and and apparently, according to the uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, this information has been on the web mm-hmm. since January, and it just has come to the attention of the FBI and the Justice Department, and 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 the Pentagon is like, you know, in in panic because it looks like either hackers or the Russians have penetrated the Department of Defense, and it, there's a possibility that they have our game plan for it everything, which, if, if that's true, would constitute the largest security breach in world history. And, and I'm thinking uh, this stuff probably would have been safer locked up in a closet at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> Ironically, probably so. Uh, what's interesting about this, I read uh, in terms of cybersecurity that the State Department has weaker uh, protection for its websites and for its materials than most uh, non-governmental uh, types of operations. So it doesn't surprise me that this has happened, that, but uh, it's it's uh, shocking and disturbing that uh, other people have all this information. So I, I'll repeat to your listeners, I'm a never-Trumper. However, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, this situation makes the government's prosecution of Trump, even his alleged obstruction of justice, look like a circus sideshow because, uh, you know, they're accusing him of uh, threatening the security of the United States. And it turns out that the, the you know, talking about the pot calling the kettle black, mm-hmm. uh, these guys had no idea that the spies were running rampant throughout the Department of Defense and that, uh, you know, these Internet groups had been discussing top secrets regarding uh, Ukraine for months you know so it's been it's been out there and they didn't they, they're scratching their heads so it looks like you know the three stooges are in charge of security and and they're and they're spending all their time trying to make a case against trump so i think trump is like uh like i said i'm a never trumper he, but he's the luckiest guy in the world <laughs> you know yeah. this is you know if i was on a jury and i'm hearing this case uh, there's no way I can convict him. And, and if Biden had a brain in his head, which he doesn't, he would pardon Trump uh, 
so that we would so the New York case, which is a silly case, wouldn't go forward. Yeah. So this case would not go forward. Well, let, let's not forget about the uh, Biden's role in this too, keeping his papers at the University of Pennsylvania. These uh, classified documents. Uh, who knows if there's been some collusion between Biden and the uh, Communist Party? In terms of transferring this type of information to the, into for uh, public posting, well, here's the other thing, though, and this goes back to the '70s when we had when Congress passed the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, government officials routinely stamp everything top secret because they don't want congressional oversight right. of their terrible work. <laughs> you know, yep. so 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 if you if you you know, it would be like if I was a really, really poor high school student and I had the power to stamp my papers top secret, the teacher would never know what a buffoon I was. So, so that's what the bureaucrats do. So we don't even know the, the kinds of information that Trump had in his closet. It could have been really stupid stuff that shouldn't have been classified in the, in the first place. Again, undermining the government's case against the former president. Well, I'll talk about... Uh, inept. How about this disclosure uh, by uh, Blinken and uh, Biden and and others about uh, Afghanistan? <laughs> and it was a success. And and, and uh, Trump was mentioned sixteen times. It was his. Fault. <laughs> I can't even say this with a straight face that it was his fault that the, that the Afghanistan withdrawal didn't go well. It's interesting to me that he they said first of all that it went great. But all by, by the way, it was all Trump's fault. So how can it be both? Well, it's funny that you should bring up that fiasco because it reminds me, you know, the bigger fiasco is, is the transition in this country from gas-powered cars uh, to electric. Yeah. Now, I'm in favor of an electric <clears throat> future, but not on the president's timetable because there's no planning to this. In order for us to to convert to electricity cars by 2050, for example, when I'll be 101 years old, uh, we would have to double our generating capacity, and it's not happening. We're closing more plants because they're coal-fired than mm -hmm. than opening new ones. Uh, you just can't throw up uh, windmills because windmills are obnoxious. You know, you do not want a windmill in your backyard because they're they're noisy they would drive you insane absolutely so, so it's going to take decades <laughs> to if we're, if we're to figure out what we're going to do um the, the bottom line is everybody in china will be driving a car and we're going to be uh, riding around in rickshaws with uh, biden in command you know with his his plan uh, the epa supposedly is coming out with new rules that that would prohibit the manufacture of uh, gasoline-powered cars uh, after, I think it's 2050. I'm not sure. It might even be sooner, but it's it's just an exercise in the poorest planning, uh, just like Afghanistan. Well, I would just admonish, admonish our listeners to make sure they take care, good care of the car they own right now, make sure that it gets oil changes, <laughs> because you may want to keep it for a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least for the next uh, several years. Uh, it's uh, again, I've driven uh, Teslas, and they are so much fun to drive. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, but it adds. Uh, car and driver said that uh, it it adds three hours to a five hundred mile trip if you go in an electric because of uh, charging. Um, and uh, my my joke is, and uh, women. Listeners, uh, shut off the radio right now. Uh, my joke is, uh, why do I need something that adds three hours to a 500-mile trip? I'm already married. <laughs> well, with that, Jim, I just, just genuinely appreciate your comment. So interesting, the commentary uh, that we t discussed today and, and other weeks. Really appreciate that here on the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. And again, the name of Jim's book is, his latest is No Problem. Great murder mystery. I hope you'll uh, get a copy of it. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests coming up tomorrow, including our the president of the Florida State Senate, Kathleen Pasadomo. 
uh, Boo Mortensen, uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and my wife Linda will join us for a segment as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. It's one of the way we, uh, ways we uh, increase the audience and, of course, reward our advertisers for supporting the show. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.